Because not your mama's Christine podcast. Welcome everybody to Not Your Mama's Christine podcast. The Christian podcast is done taking yourself too seriously. I am your host, Shane. Here, with Eric again, the co-host, Eric. What was that? Was that like a hardcore break? Yeah, get into it. I'm ready. <laughs> Shane, Shane, you've kind of um, become more of a wuss over the years. You don't listen to hardcore music nearly as much as you used to. Here's the thing. What was the last hardcore, ha- new hardcore band you've listened to? I don't listen to very many new hardcore bands. There's some new... You Silent Planet, you ever listen to them? No. They are really good. Really? Yeah, there's See, a couple of really good ones. I'm at the point in my life where I listen to the same hardcore bands that I've listened to for a long time. I have found in my my stage of life <laughs> that <laughs> in our in our thirties that I just like the music I've like I liked when I first really discovered music, good yeah. music. What like, that's just kinda of like I there's new bands I discover all the time, sure, right. but not like I used to. There's just like a like a seven year time period that I got all the music I listened to, like ninety percent of the music I still listen to today was from that seven year time period. Well, that, like, th- here's why. It's because we discovered and not just us, but people discovered so much music and I think this is why people listen to the same music that they've always listened to. It's because you discover so much music in your formative stages that there's like so many bands that I haven't listened to in a long time. So then when I go to listen to music, I'm like, man, I, I haven't listened to this band in years. I would love to listen to them again. And, yeah. and I go back and listen to them. And there's not there's not enough time in my music listening period <laughs> in my life now to yeah. really dedicate to learning a new band and discovering them. Not that you I think, shouldn't do that. I think that might be part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's also that we now that you're older you like to like it, nostalgia is a big thing yeah yeah it's too so you listen yeah. to certain bands it brings you back to that those college years or whatever high school years when things were you had less responsibilities yeah. <laughs> things like that plus there's so much different things to listen to we didn't have podcasts back then correct now yeah. now we rule the podcast world <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's changed everything and uh-huh. then you have jobs you have kids so you don't have as much t- free time i would listen to music just like I don't even remember this is actually a sad sad story I'm about to tell. But I um we used to collect CDs. Mm-hmm. I used to have CD binders, yeah. and I used to have I a have secular CD binder, a Christian <laughs> CD binder, and a mix CD binder. <laughs> the the like mix a, one was a like gray area. My, the mix was like my favorite bands uh-huh. basically, and it would be anybody. Like Thrice was in the mix one. Oh yeah, yeah, I love Thrice. So like it would be bands like that, and then Christian would be like just Christian bands like. All and the then, adrenaline, yeah, the like boys. DC talk. Uh-huh. Um, that was for wimps, and then yeah, it is, <laughs> and then and then my second one was like corn. Why do you say it like corn? Lip biscuit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- those bands, Radiance and Machine, were in that one. Um, but I saved those not because I plan to listen to CDs all that much anymore. And I, used, and I probably had like hundreds and hundreds of CDs in these CD booklets. I'd keep it in my car underneath my car seat. Mm-hmm. My <laughs> your car the, seat. <laughs> the seat I was sitting in that had to be in my car. The driver's seat. And I, yeah, that's a better word, I guess. <laughs> and I'd pull them out and find the song, the CD I would want. And the other day I went to the bin that it's all in, and for some reason I put like a Mountain Dew can in there, like a, <laughs> a one that I saved. Like For a, some reason, you need to explain that better. It's like a collectible. Yeah, it was like a Halo collectible Mountain Dew can <laughs> or whatever. Reason. That it's I not like, not like just some random that novel. I did not drink. Yeah, it's full of Mountain Dew in that bin and put in my attic, which gets really hot and really cold. So then I eventually one day was like, I'm gonna open up and see what's in this box, and it was so much mold, and all those CDs are ruined because the cans exploded. Because the cans exploded. Yeah, yeah. and it's like I'm tr- I don't I haven't thrown those those away yet. They're still sitting in my basement like all moldy but i don't want to throw it away but they're probably all ruined yeah. but it's just all memories i was i literally was like so sad i was like yeah. this is my childhood yeah i just yeah. got wasted because of a halo mm-hmm. mountain dew can mm-hmm. yeah yeah well and and i actually cleaned out my closet recently and and i found my booklet like that too and uh mine's in pristine condition <laughs> so i don't have to worry about any of that but uh, you have one I have one. Yeah, I had three. Yeah, yeah. So that was the kind yeah. of music I liked. You, yeah. you, you liked enough music to fit one. It's really, it's huge. And Creed was ten of them. A Creed is in there. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> that was that was my first. That was one of the first bands I ever listened to. Uh, that wasn't like the I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about our our, our music history. Yeah. What's the first bands you list? You remember? Period. Period. Uh, DC Talk. Carmen. Carmen. Oh. Start a riot, a righteous invasion of truth. Yeah, truth. Yeah, righteous invasion of truth. 
Uh, how about uh, what was it? Uh, Mission Three Sixteen. That was another Carmen album. Yeah. <laughs> Mission Impossible John Three Sixteen. Yeah. Anyway, the first memory of music I have is marching around our living room with our dad, listening to Champion by by Carmen. <laughs> yeah. It's the first music. Yeah. But we yeah. grew up in a Christian home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were not allowed. Yeah. To can you tell? To, can you to tell? Secular music and uh, yeah, DC Talk, Audio Adrenaline, Newsboys. Newsboys yeah. That that whole that whole scene. Petra. I never liked Petra. It was that was more so our parents liked that because <laughs> yeah. that was more their style than yeah. our style, and so like I remember them taking us to a Petra concert. <laughs> yeah, as kids, and then I remember eventually getting to the point where I was li- we're listening to secular. I'm using air quotes um, music. And right. those bands were like for me like Matchbox Twenty, yeah, yeah, Creed, <laughs> Goo Goo Dolls, uh, Goo Goo Dolls, Three Doors Down. I never liked Three Doors Down. <laughs> and then you and still then, you like you like Three Doors Down now? Yeah. No. You know what? You know what? Everybody, Shane used to be a fan of Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I bought their album when I was like, I think I was in like fifth or sixth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you like Nickelback? Nick, I got Nickelback. Yeah. These five words went through my head. <laughs> Are we having fun yet? Um, yeah. Oh, oh, my first CD that was not a a Christian CD, and this is not, I'm not embarrassed of, was Third Eye Blind. Yeah, I That's, still like Third Eye Blind. I'm, they're coming around in the summer. I'm going to go see them. Yeah, with Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy World. World. Them and Jimmy World are playing clo- at Merriweather, which is in close to us. And we're I'm going. I'm <laughs> definitely going. I, I still I still listen to Third Eye Blind. So what was some of the first bands that you listened to yeah. that really you're you're not listening to ironically at this point in life like you listen to newsboys you listen to it for nostalgia purposes or ironically for you because right. you don't like newsboys at this point no no we did breakfast church and we just had breakfast creed you don't loop. you don't <laughs> like you did yeah we had gosh why did anyone go back to that church <laughs> it, was, it was so funny People, everybody was walking they were going with the toast is third yeah. and all the milk at church we listen to newsboys breakfast right i now? showed erica that song and she went you listen to this <laughs> um so the first couple bands that you listened to that were like forming the music you like now Correct. Um, yeah, it would. It was. It was a, a lot of tooth and nail bands. Yeah, me um, too. That and uh, we're gonna and that's part of our interview today. But um, bands like Project Eighty Six. Yeah. Um, bands like uh, uh, Pod. Pod was, was the big was, one was for me. One. You like them more than I did, but yeah. I listened to them and we saw them in concert. Blindside. Yeah. Um, uh, then. I, you weren't. Were you a big Living Sacrifice? I love Living. I wasn't sacrifice. huge in Living Sacrifice. A spoken. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember spoken. spoken. Yeah, uh, then definitely under oath. Yeah, um, that's when we're getting Marie, older. That's, that's when we got older, and we but that, the that first was our initial ones. Were, that yeah. was our prime music mm-hmm. stuff. It was Emery, um, under oath, as late I chariot, Norma Jean, me without you. Yeah, yeah. me with you still my favorite man. Like like Strikes. those bands that in that era was when I was like, that's the music I still yeah identify with. Really like, and not even just Christian, but like. Brand new, mm-hmm. Taking Back Sunday. Some of those bands are starting to get into. Well, when when we discovered those bands, it was like a lifesaver for us because growing up in a Christian home and that my our parents got saved like right when we were born. They became Christians right when we were born. So I remember that they got rid of all of their secular music because that was what you did at that time, and yeah. that was what the church told them to do: no rated R movies, get rid of all your secular and your, music, and your kids should be homeschooled. And your kids should be homeschooled, even though we weren't homeschooled. But like that was the call. Culture of the Christian world, at least, so at least our Christian world, because the church we went to. In, but in, yeah. the, in the early '90s, that was the way it was for yeah. most people, uh, most Christians yeah. who went, people who went to church, and um, and so we weren't allowed to get any CD or album that was stickered. Now, what that means yeah, explain for the that, kids, explain that to the kids that are listening, because you don't have this problem anymore because of things like Spotify and Apple Music. But when you would buy a CD, it, there were certain albums that if there were too many cuss words in there or if it was talking about sex or drugs or anything then it would have a parental advisory sticker on it yes and it wasn't a sticker you could peel off it was like on the on the cover on the cover on the artwork it was a little in the corner and so parents would know so we were not allowed to get any of those at all and i remember one year for christmas um i asked my parents for a blink 182 cd yeah which one it was a, it was the live version, the Mark, Tom, and Travis show. Yeah, and it was uh, which to this day is still one of the funniest CDs. It's really it's really, not on Spotify. It's yeah, be, it's really dirty. And <laughs> it has a lot of bad language in it. <laughs> a lot of immature humor for sure. Yes, but I was like eighth, ninth grade around that time yeah, yeah. probably, and I remember asking my parents for it, and our parents would just buy all of our albums from Walmart because it would automatically come edited. Yeah. 
But I guess this one they didn't, and they got me the version that was stickered, and they didn't know it. And I remember opening it up on Christmas, and my parents were like, oh, what'd you get? Show us. Even though they know what they bought. And I remember putting my thumb I over remember you doing too, yeah. the parental advisory sticker and holding it up, and then them going, oh, yeah, and then hiding it right away. Yeah. <laughs> and later you're like, Eric, <laughs> yeah, they got me a parental advisory one. I said, hide it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, we, I had this, we had the same rule. Like I had the same rules you did, obviously. Um, I'm I'm two years older, so like I started to like, I remember starting to get into like corn and Heavy Limp Biscuit. Those, those new metal bands, and I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna start buying them because <laughs> you could because like I could I I would, I would go to friends' house and walk to Best Buy yeah and buy those CDs. So I started buying them and hiding them in, in my CD booklets, yeah. and, and we go to the Best Buy that from a serial podcast. Yeah, there's no phone booth there. Well, I don't remember if there was. I don't remember. I don't recall. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. but your list zero podcast. That was our best buy. Yeah, that was where we would That's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the um, so I remember buying corn and Raiders the Machine, and Limp Biscuit, those kind of bands, and just not telling mom and dad. Yeah. And I remember when mom found out. Yeah. And she she opened our CD binder. And I remember I came home from school, <laughs> and she had Raiders the Machine. What's the third album called? Battle of Los Angeles, I think. Yeah. Um, and had that in the CD player, Listening ready for to me. It? She and when I walked in, she said, "Eric, what is this?" <laughs> and she played it for me, and it had like Gorilla Radio and like some songs that, that cuss. And I was like, "I'm sorry, I like them." <laughs> I whatever. She said, "Okay, well, return this to whoever you borrowed it from." I said, "Mom, I bought that," <laughs> and I. But she didn't make me get rid of it. Huh. And then I think eventually she just like. They just didn't worry about it anymore. Yeah. We were we were part of youth group. We weren't we were bad good kids. kids. So, so you know what? If they're gonna listen to corn, they did just have bad musical taste. But <laughs> <laughs> they can listen. So then they just stopped. They started ignoring us yeah. buying stickers. I don't remember when we were allowed to, but they loved us listening to bands that didn't cuss or bands that were. Um, That's why I listened to Creed <laughs> <laughs> because our parents liked it That's and true. they were okay with it. And they were like, "Oh, this is gonna higher." Like there was a, a little bit of a faith twist, even though yeah. they're not. A, they weren't really Christian. But being in youth group, I also remember there were parents that wouldn't allow their kids to listen to like heavy bands, even if mm-hmm. they were Christian. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. our parents were never that way. They were all for it. Like they didn't like mm-hmm. bands like Living Sacrifice. But I was like, "Mom, they're Christians. That then go all. Then you're all go all in." Do you for know it. why they were okay with that? Why was because our mom really she she grew up in church but she really became she really owned her faith by listening to a Striper album yeah because she liked 80s she liked Bon Jovi and those sort of bands and so she she heard Striper on MTV or whatever and started listening to them and was reading their booklet with the lyrics in it and that's what brought her back to church and brought her back to Jesus. So that's why she was always okay with it because yeah. that was not acceptable music in most churches. Striper. If you don't know anything about Striper, they're just an '80s sort of a band, but they're they're still around. Yeah, and they're they're Christians. They're hardcore Christians, and um and so our mom, that's how she came back to faith. Yeah. So when we started getting into tooth and nail bands. She celebrated like yeah. they were like all for it, even though. We they my dad didn't like any of that kind of music, they're obviously. Still, yeah, hardcore kind of music fan. Like yeah, but like Norma Jean, fine. If they're Christian if they're mm-hmm. more of a Christian band or Christian influence or or whatever, then let's go. Project yeah. Six, go ahead. So um so yeah, that that's kinda how we got into the music we listen to now and I still listen to yeah to those bands. Yeah. Um and so for us with uh, the interview that we have today is with uh with a guy named Andrew Schwab, who is the lead singer from Project eighty six. If you grew up in the tooth and nail scene, then you know who Project 86 is. If you don't, um, they're they're one of the earlier uh, heavy heavier rock alternative that, in the Christian world that was actually really solid, good, yeah, artistically creative music. Yeah, and we talked about it in the interview, but it wasn't just a copy of something else. It was their own. They were just their own band that happened. To mm-hmm. also be Christians, drawing black lines, they came out in 2000. So like mm-hmm. that was the time period for us. That we were really starting. To, I graduated high school in 2003. Yeah. So I was in high school right. uh, discovering some of those things. And there's a story that we didn't talk about with him, but um, with Topper and ex host, ex host, pour, pour one out for those for some of your old old school listeners. Um, that we went and saw Project we saw Project Six like Multiple a million times. times. We opened for him a couple times, but yeah. one of those openers he, we didn't even tell him. <laughs> yeah, but one of those openers was like we play for ten minutes yeah. before, like, and we don't make bands before him. Yeah, we don't <laughs> and we don't make any money, and the money we sell goes to like for the for the place to pay yeah. the other ones. And not, and not only do we not make money, we would have to pay money a lot <laughs> yeah, just so, to play. So um, yeah, we didn't bring up, but we were at a show, and it was us two and Topper and a couple of friends, and we saw him. We were 
talked to him. He was really nice to us. And I remember this day for some reason, he Topper was eating a hot dog, uh-huh. and we were just talking to Andrew. And all of a sudden, Andrew Andrew Schwab turns to Topper's like, "How's that hot dog?" And Topper's like. <laughs> It's good. And then that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> Everybody like, wow. I don't know why I still remember that to this day. I text when we got this interview, I text Top Ray, we're interviewing your boy in the shop. He said, Oh yeah, I ate the hot dog in front of him <laughs> and, he, and he commented on it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really cool that um Andrew and he talks about it in the podcast, but he has his own podcast called Pioneers Podcast, which is new. He just got started, but we encourage you to check that out. And um if you've never checked out Project Eighty Six, um you, you're missing out. They're they're an awesome band. And yeah, uh, it was really cool for us and really fun experience for us to spend some time with him and uh, really down to earth guy so we'll get to our uh, interview with Andrew Schwab after the break To the Drawing Black Lines one because I remember as a kid when that CD came out, like there was, I listened to music before that, obviously, but you guys and Living Sacrifice and POD at the time were the bands that got me into the music I still like mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to like before that, I was listening yeah. to DC Talk or Audio Adrenaline or, mm-hmm. or I would listen to like Corn if I was like really <laughs> rebellious. So mm-hmm. that I remember getting that CD and that being one of the first ones that was like got me into stuff I still enjoy today. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was awesome to hear the story of all the behind the scenes on your podcast. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, sure. So, all right. Well, um, Andrew, can you give us a little bit of background as to who you are, where you grew up, um, and uh, maybe some religious background too? Fill us in on some of those areas. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Sure. My name's Andrew Schwab, and for those of you listening that don't know anything about me or why I would be on this podcast, <laughs> uh, I started a band uh, quite a while ago called Project 86, mm-hmm. and uh, we were on Tooth & Nail Records, and for a time we were on Atlantic Records. We've uh, shared the stage with some notable acts over the years, mm-hmm. Linkin Park, P.O.D., uh, mm-hmm. Switchfoot, 30 Seconds to Mars, yeah. uh Seven Dust, many others. Uh, And so I've made um, my uh, living and I've been a full-time creator uh, Mm -hmm. my entire adult life uh, doing music, doing graphic design. I've been an author. I've authored seven books. Uh, I also host a podcast now called Pioneers Podcast. And so I've had some interesting journeys throughout Christian culture and I would consider myself to be uh, yeah, full-time creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, from a Christian standpoint or a faith-based standpoint, I became, uh, I was raised Catholic and I grew up on the East coast, not too far from where you guys are located. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually grew up in Pennsylvania and we were neighbors at one point when mm-hmm. I was in high school, I lived in, in the Baltimore area in a suburb called Severna park. Yeah. Some of you listening, be familiar with that suburb. And so I spent a couple of years there during my high school years, formative years, and then I moved to the West Coast with my family when I was in high school, at which point I became uh, a born-again Christian. Uh, Prior to that, I was raised Catholic when I was in in Pennsylvania. And uh, becoming – I became a Christian during – I guess the evangelical boom of the early 90s, -hmm. uh, which carried all the way through I think to the – the aughts, but uh, that saw me get involved uh, in a pretty 
prominent youth ministry and church here in Southern California where I met a lot of fellow musicians who went on to start bands. And this was in the beginning of the the tooth and nail scene, especially in SoCal. So uh, my band, Project 86, was birthed out of the very early days of tooth and nail. And Mm -hmm. I actually went to to church with some of the guys from the Supertones oh, and awesome, a man. bunch of other bands that were on Tooth and Nail. So through networking and mutual friends, uh, I started the band, um, birthed out of that scene, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, I, back in the early mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And now, when you were getting started um, with with Project Eighty Six, and uh, um, you were one of the first bands that that we started listening to when we were getting into high school and those sort of things as well. And um, along with the Supertones and that whole Tooth and Nail scene, and um, I've been listening to that to the Labeled podcast. I don't know if you if you checked that out, Andrew. With uh, mm-hmm. and there, and I love how they've been talking about the early stages of Tooth and Nail and how there's there was such a lack of of creative music in the Christian world and in the Christian scene. And Tooth and Nail was really on the front end of that, bringing up, bringing about all these other bands that we know about today, like Under Oath and Emery and, and even the new ones that are coming in. Um, but beyond that, but can you talk a little bit about the, the lack of creativity in the Christian music world when um, at, at this point in the, in the 90s when you guys are getting started? Yeah, we were really on the front end or on the cusp of a lot of things um, in, during the foundational period, I'd like to call it, mm-hmm. of what would be relevant faith-based music, yeah. and especially on the rock side of things. And it was a fruit of culture back then that you didn't find many options if you were looking for an alternative to the mainstream Mm-hmm. music out there and little did we know that we would play a role in that conversation and sort of transforming the way people view faith-based art and that was always a goal of mine i i, I was a music fan from mm-hmm. fairly very early age i didn't know anything about christian music or faith-based art in fact when i became a christian i believe this was in 1992 I had a couple of friends who tried to introduce me to the idea of Christian metal, and I was shown mm-hmm. yeah, bands like Striper or Mortification, and, yep. yeah, yeah, uh, even the Crucified. But I thought the whole notion of there being a faith-based music scene was mm. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because how does one believe in Jesus mm-hmm. and still make authentic art? Mm-hmm. I, I remember, so, in, I remember in high school people being like, "Oh, you listen to a hardcore band that is a Christian? Why they scream Jesus all the time?" Like I remember getting those comments all the time. So I get that. Yeah, and so a couple of the bands that really spoke to me and transformed the way that I perceived the idea of doing something authentic and mm-hmm. still being a person who was speaking in some way about their faith were the crucified mm-hmm. and a band called focused yeah. that was on tooth and nail. Yep. Uh, and those were two, the pillars of the humanity record by the crucified and the bow record by, by focused were two albums that I really gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really interesting that the authenticity actually came through and yet it didn't compromise the art. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like in being a fan of music and, and I wasn't one of these people that ever threw away my quote unquote secular music. Yeah. I never, I, I always thought that it was possible to like what you like as an artist or as a fan, um, and still appreciate the art without having to have it infiltrate your worldview, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. Um, because at the core it was entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so one of my goals in starting a band and starting to play music was to enter into that conversation of what is faith-based art, you know, where, you know, where in ourselves as consumers and as fans of music, where are the lines drawn between the sacred and the profane? And is there are there some more complexities to that conversation? than I think were happening back when we started, which was in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea here was to me that it is possible to be authentic in the music that you're creating or the art that you're creating and not just be a, 
lame or cheesy alternative mm-hmm. to quote unquote secular music. Mm-hmm. I never really wanted to be as an artist, an, just an alternative to yeah. the mainstream. I wanted to be a legitimate artist and to have a legitimate band that hopefully would be received objectively by people mm-hmm. and not just a lame interpretation of something else that was out there that wasn't Christian, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I remember like uh, our youth pastor would be like, oh, you guys like Slipknot? Well, here's Demon Hunter. Check them out. <laughs> like the, the, the equivalent of the secular version of this band would be whatever Christian band that, 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 that they could think of. So I understand what you're saying. And, but there was also a whole industry of like the mainstream market trying to make bands for the Christian version of it, where it was, it was so refreshing to find bands that were just like, Oh, this band's good. I don't like, doesn't matter. And Oh, they happen to actually also believe what I believe, which makes it even cooler for me. Like that's the difference where Mm -hmm. there were like some bands that would be out that was pushed out to, to market, the popular version of in secular culture, which um, I don't know if we see that as much today, but back in the nineties, like that, that was definitely one of those things when you guys were starting. Definitely. And you, you hit on a good point there. And that is culture in general has evolved so much, Mm -hmm. especially in the last five years where that line there is a little bit more blurred, but Mm -hmm. for many decades, even it, it was such a marketing thing to be an alternative to the mainstream. And so the idea of Christian rock or Christian bands was really meant to be sold to parents of youth group of their kids who mm-hmm. they would send a youth group who they didn't want listening to such dark music. And during the time that we came up, heavy music and darker music or rock music, that was one of the biggest genres in the mainstream. And so there were so many parents that were concerned about their kids listening to this dark music that was associated with all of these awful things in culture. And so here's a safe family friendly alternative (laughs) that you can buy in a Christian bookstore Mm -hmm. that won't teach your kids to go out and do drugs basically. (laughs) And so we never really wanted to be marketed that way, but inevitably in being a part of tooth and nail, Mm -hmm. Uh, we were marketed that way. So here's here's a band. If you like Corn or if you mm-hmm. like all of these other heavy bands, mm-hmm. here's Project Eighty Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? and we always thought that was so lame to be marketed <laughs> that. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. but inevitably that established part of our fan base as well. So it was a double edged sword, right. because so many kids that came from that Christian scene or came up in youth group were exposed to our music because we were a safe alternative essentially yeah, yeah. well how, how do you being marketed that way but also at the same time being able to to become popular a little bit through that marketing how do you balance being creative and authentic with the business of the fact that you that you're part of tooth and nail at the time and then you eventually go into atlantic and you go on other record labels and um, i know a little bit of the story of truth is heroes album and some of that stuff so how do you balance those two of being creative in your art while also still being part of this business? Well, again, we started and I started doing this thing because I wanted to stretch the narrative. I really wanted to engage with culture in such a way with the art that I created to redefine that whole conversation and blur those lines, so to speak. Mm-hmm not just be a Christian alternative, but to actually be a legitimate artist and band who had our own sound. If you put on a project 86 album, we definitely don't sound like we're the Mm -hmm. Christian corn or Christian tool or Christian name X band that's out there. Right. Right. So that was always a goal so that when someone would listen to the music, they would say, wow, this is, this is great, heavy music. I really love this. What are these guys all about? And then within the lyrics, there's never anything overt. Mm -hmm. And every song isn't directly about something spiritual. Mm -hmm. It's more about being authentic and communicating emotion and experience through, Mm -hmm. you know, just through the lens of artistry and creativity. Mm -hmm. And there was always a poetic element to it. And so what we found, though, as the band grew in popularity, as as we 
started playing more shows in the mainstream and doing tours with artists like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the the larger acts that were popular during during the early 2000s like Linkin Park and yeah. 30 Seconds to Mars, etc. Uh, was that the Christian association that we had was never going to not be a part of our conversation and our perception. And maybe if we had built built our band a little bit differently, the music would have been received a little bit more objectively. But we did find that in moving to a major label, as the band grew, that we were being exposed to this larger audience. And we were, albeit in a painful manner, engaging that stretching of the conversation mm-hmm. because we were on a major and we were doing all of these tours. Um, but that's something that we've always fought with. And always, it's always been a battle to be perceived as a legitimate artist mm-hmm. when, you know, the Christian rock tag is associated with us. Yeah. And so I found the way to transcend that throughout my career is to just continue to be honest in, in the way that we go about approaching the art and the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that has, um, throughout our career, added an element of authenticity to the art that we put out. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you you've had this creative outlet for for so much of your life, and now, as you mentioned before, you started a, a podcast called the Pioneers Podcast, which is all about be being creative and and expressing yourself artistically um, and however you feel led to to express yourself. So, can you talk a little bit about the importance of pursuing creative things and also being willing and able to try new things? and not knowing how it's always going to work out. How has that um, uh, affected your life or benefited you throughout your experiences? And the heart behind this podcast, which we're about 12 episodes in right now, so it's fairly new. I'm a little late to the party, I feel like. <laughs> uh, I, w- I was the only one on the outside who didn't have a podcast, so yeah. I, I felt like I needed to start something. <laughs> how, how was so, the transition to starting podcast? Did you think it was easy, or what did you think? It's definitely a different voice, a different yeah, yeah. creative hat. Uh, there's a learning curve there, just mm-hmm. getting comfortable with how you speak to an audience uh, in that setting mm-hmm. with that type of media. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm growing with every episode, yeah, yeah, just in the way that I communicate, learning to be succinct, make valid points. Uh, the one thing that I tried to do with this podcast is because there's so many podcasts by dudes and bands out mm-hmm. there the question i ask myself on the front end is how can i make something that's unique yeah and not like so many of the other ones that are out there that are more of a musical bent mm-hmm. for me that was engaging the conversation of creativity in culture and also how people use their voices so i'm someone who's had a relatively successful career as a creative all of my adult life mm-hmm. and not just doing music, but also I do calligraphy. I do graphic design. I mentioned I've written seven books. Right. Mm-hmm. I've been a speaker. Uh, I've been a journalist. I've done a lot of different things and worn a lot of creative hats and accumulated a lot of experiences, stories and wisdom along the way, <laughs> mainly <laughs> through failure and yeah, yeah. Through, <laughs> you know, all the all the growth process that's involved in that journey. But I wanted to take all of these stories and not use them just as entertainment, but as a teaching tool. Hmm. Because everybody in culture today is trying to use their voices in some form to be heard, whether Mm -hmm. you do your own podcast, whether you are active on social media, whether you're trying to write a book Mm -hmm. or play music or start a brand Mm -hmm. or a charity or an organization. Everyone is trying to make their voices heard in some form. So how can I take everything that I've learned and use all of the relationships that that I've developed over the years to create this convergence of stories of successful self-made creatives to help inspire, instruct, Mm -hmm. and educate other people on how to use their voices more effectively. And so all of that that's a fairly long winded explanation, but all of (laughs) that is the heart behind the podcast. And I feel like not a moment is wasted on the podcast. I put a lot of time and effort into Mm -hmm. really researching and, and scripting out the episodes in such Mm -hmm. a way so that when people are giving me their time, they're getting something wholly inspirational and wholly practical to take away with them. Yeah. And from, from, I've listened to maybe, 
five or six of them. Um, and there's most of them are just you. And you've, I've, I know you did one with uh, Living Sacrifice with Corey from Norma Jean. Um, but I remember listening and doing a podcast for two years now. Um, I remember thinking like, man, I'm so glad I have to do it by myself. And I was impressed <laughs> that you could just do it with not out without talking to anybody else and just and just be able to tell like great stories. But that probably goes back to being an author and everything else you do. <laughs> but um, I, I was pretty impressed with like the way you can just do it just by yourself and just go and tell some awesome road stories and mm-hmm. just some ways that can also inspire someone else that's being creative. So um, yeah, I'm a big... I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, and one of the things that you've talked about on your podcast that I found really interesting was how you handle critics and how you handle failures. And you kind of just alluded to that a little bit. So for people that are listening, um, what would be your advice for when... Um, somebody says they don't like your art or, or critiques you in, in, in a way that it, you don't like or just you make something that it doesn't work the way you want it to work. How, and from your experience, what would be your advice? So I posted two episodes as a part of the podcast so far mm-hmm. that, that touch on that subject. And one of them is just dealing with disappointment. And the newest episode of the podcast is episode 12, and that's finding motivation when you have none. And yep. there, there is some overlap in in the subject matter on both of those episodes. But here's the synopsis of how I use critics or criticism or someone who doesn't react well to something I've created. I try to channel my inner Tom Brady or Michael Jordan. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are not sports fans that uh-huh. are probably listening. That doesn't matter. Yeah. But for me, what I've found is that because I'm competitive, I want to do the best or mm. be the best or find a way to rise above the noise or my peers even mm-hmm. yeah. in whatever that I do. And so whenever someone criticizes something that I do or I, there's a troll online mm-hmm. who posts something negative, I try to use that as bulletin board material. And when I say channeling my inner Michael Jordan or yeah. Tom Brady – those guys are masters mm-hmm. at finding a naysayer or someone who is decrying or doubting them mm-hmm. and turning it into an obsession in yeah. their mind. Michael Jordan was famous for that. Yeah. Uh, it, just finding that little piece of edge to where they are going to mm-hmm. take out the competition almost. Yeah. Well, now, that happened this week. With Tom Brady and the and the Super Bowl, because uh, the guy from the Rams said that something about Tom Brady being old, and everyone's like, "What are you doing? He's <laughs> going to use that and turn it against you." So you're exactly right. I'm, I understand so what you're saying. I've learned throughout my career, whether it's performing on a stage or writing a book or doing a piece of graphic design, to find that one person mm-hmm. who is doubting. And allow that person to drive me insane (laughs) (laughs) to the point where I am doing work uh, that I'm almost levitated and propelled by the doubters. Mm -hmm. And and there's more to it than that. Uh, On the most recent episode of the podcast, I actually give five tips to find motivation when you don't have any or when you're staring at a blank page or – when you just can't get through the work day. Mm-hmm. And this is for anyone who's self-taught or who's entrepreneurial. Uh, so there's a lot more to it than this. But this mm-hmm. is one of my biggest tools psychologically that I use is, for example, if Project 86, my band, is playing a show and we're on a festival and I've been sitting around all day and I'm tired, I'm jet lagged, or maybe I was up all night and mm-hmm. I just can't find that psychological edge, I go and I watch other bands play. And I try to find the thing that they're doing better than what I do. Mm. And I try to allow that to motivate me to to improve my show. Or if we're on stage, I will find the one guy that's standing in the back with his arms crossed. Uh And he may not not be disliking what he hears, Mm. but I will twist it. And say to myself on stage, oh, that guy doesn't think that we're cool mm-hmm. or that we're good or that I'm a good front man or that I have a good voice. And I'll stare at that guy yeah. the entire show mm-hmm. just to find <laughs> the motivation to, to say to myself essentially, 
oh, oh, that guy, that guy's doubting. Yeah. So I have to prove him wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I go into a story on the most recent episode for, for in the bonus content of mm-hmm. of this most recent episode where I talk about how we were playing a show back in 2004 and we were closing a stage on a festival. And as I lay dying was playing before us and it was mm-hmm. right when they were coming up and they killed it and they had a gigantic crowd and we went on to play after them. And I'm thinking to myself the entire time on stage, how in the world are we going to follow up this band who just mm-hmm. destroyed this stage? Yeah. And I ended up inciting the crowd to, throw mud at the stage and That's an entire purple door, purple door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. An entire mud riot ensued uh-huh. and the psychological trick I was playing with myself and I didn't know that this was going to happen until the moment that it happened mm-hmm. was how can we be the band that everybody talks about not just today yeah but for all time mm-hmm. with this festival Mm-hmm. And you guys remember that. <laughs> Just that, before this interview, <laughs> I watched that video because I was doing research and I was like making sure I had the, the, my thoughts in line. Oh, man. And, that... and I looked up the video because I already knew about it. Purple Door's not far from us. Yeah, we've and been, we been. heard all of We've been there multiple times. Yeah. And we heard all about it. But I wasn't there at that. It was the show. word on, on at our youth group street that, yeah. burp, that mud was getting thrown and Project 86 got kicked off Purple Door. It's I've all never we heard. seen so much mud. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell the the behind the scenes story of that whole thing on the newest episode for subscribers. Mm -hmm. And I break down all the psychological tricks that are happening inside my brain and all of the things that are eating at me. Mm -hmm. And I, it it directly correlates to this idea of motivation because I'm saying to myself internally, you know, not just what can I do to give a memorable performance, Mm -hmm. but it's literally all of these voices that are inside my head. Uh, you guys are a Christian band. You're Mm -hmm. not legitimate. Mm -hmm. You know, look at this. We're on a Christian festival and look how safe these people are being, even with the way that they're throwing mud at each other. (laughs) And, uh, there's so much more to it than that. Mm -hmm. But it led me to just say on stage, oh, you all are so polite for not throwing mud at me. Yeah. I would never want that. And it was a direct challenge to the audience <laughs> to engage this whole uh-huh. inner monologue that I was having at the time. Yeah. And the stage got entirely destroyed. And then yeah. I go into all the aftermath of it and all the <laughs> we dealt with afterwards. And yeah. How it ended up that we repaired the bridge with Purple Door. Mm-hmm. And we never even played the side stage again. We were a main stage act because that story made us kind of legendary yeah. on that festival and in that market. Yeah. And we had some incredible shows. And it went from being we went from being kicked off the festival for the following three or four years yeah. to repairing the bridge, doing what we needed to do on our end to make it right with the production company mm-hmm. uh, from a business standpoint. Yeah. And then I was actually on the cover of the program to the festival five <laughs> years later after, <laughs> after the event. Yeah. So it's an interesting story and motivation. And yeah, I try to awesome. take stories from my own experience that everybody will find entertaining, not just Project 86 fans. And I do mm-hmm. in every other episode format, one episode where I host myself and then the next episode following alternating is a guest. And I've had on... Bruce from Living Sacrifice, Corey from Norma Jean, Toby from Bad Christian and yep. Emery, mm-hmm. uh, Matt from August Burns Red, mm-hmm. um, uh, a great array of musical guests. And I hope as the podcast grows, this is my goal, not just Christian guests, not just musical guests, but all different types of self-made creators, entrepreneurs, performers who have made a living doing something that they do carving their own niche in culture. And so yeah. I'm hoping that the podcast, the further it goes, you know, develops this reputation for this is the place to go if you're a self-made, self-taught individual who's trying to break into culture in a new way with your yeah. voice. It's awesome. I, I think your uh, your point with motivation is is really key because it all it goes to who you are as a person and being self-aware of what motivates you because I'm competitive like you're competitive, but not everyone has that God, it's a God-given feeling. So what does motivate you? Um, for you, it's competition. So you get people to throw mud at you in order to accomplish it. Where other people, it's, it's being, I think being self-aware is so critical to know what you need in order to motivate yourself. Um, like we've gotten, 
uh, when I remember our first bad review for this podcast, it was that we were unoriginal and basically we're like a bad Christian ripoff. We're like, hey, <laughs> like we had to figure out how to like respond to that yeah. and where it didn't like hurt our feelings too much. But at the same time, I don't know. So um, you I, have to apply yeah. that criticism and and take it objectively and not and develop a thick skin and then. Every critic is is God given, in my mm-hmm. opinion, mm-hmm. because they're helping you get better at what you do. If mm-hmm. you can get over the own the own the, the bruise to your own ego, yeah, that occurs when somebody criticizes something that you do and you apply mm-hmm. what they say, you're growing in your craft. Yeah, basically, I, it's easy for we're we're both uh, church planners and pastors too, so it's easy for us just to get into a mindset where it's like. We know what's best. We know what's right. You're just not hearing hearing it right, and you lose an opportunity to get better, yeah. like you just said, at what you're doing by just dismissing everyone that's that's against you and saying, ah, they just don't know. And really, like you can always find some kind of truth in it or see where where they're coming from, or and use that to either fuel you to motivate you or to like be like, oh, they actually may be right on that. Yeah. We should maybe think about growing in that fashion. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That happened to me early in my career as an artist, as a recording artist. When we wrote and recorded our first demo, it was awful and it sounded like our influences. Mm-hmm. And so we started hearing all this really negative feedback from people. Some people really loved the music. Yeah. But the, the negative feedback we got is, oh, you guys sound like this band or that band. And that was devastating to hear. Mm-hmm. But if we didn't receive that negative criticism, we never would have developed our own sound as a band yeah. and yeah. developed a career mm. and a reputation for being original. Yeah. And so there's always two ways to look at being criticized for anything that you do, any endeavor. This goes well beyond music or even creative. Mm-hmm. It It's in, in any endeavor that you're attempting to break into a niche market or develop your own voice in culture, you have to struggle through those early growth phases where you are a product of whatever has influenced you to trial and error it to get to a place where you are occupying your own unique space and culture. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that the critics play a very important role in that. Yeah, and I think that the key to that too is also being willing to try something and not being afraid to fail in it. Because as you said earlier, failure is where you learn so much about uh, what you're doing and where you're finding your creative voice and how you can improve moving forward. But if we never fail at anything, then that means that we're not trying new things and we aren't being creative enough because yeah, staying safe. Yeah, yeah, we're we're staying safe in the comfort zone. So so that's awesome. But um, we we really appreciate you, Andrew, taking time to to hang out with us and to talk with us and. This this is awesome for us because, like we said, we've been fans of Project 86 since for years now. And um, oh, what's the one music video, Eric, that uh, that uh, uh, Andrew, you were wearing a Baltimore Orioles jersey? That was yeah. the first video. Back yeah. Eight. We, yeah, I think we had a tooth and nail DVD or so, I don't know because yeah. it wasn't YouTube then. But no. and I remember being like. Hey, he's wearing an Orioles shirt, and that's when we were Orioles fans. And that's when they were horrific. (laughs) So like, no one wore Orioles shirts. So we're like, oh, look at this band. And I remember um, we were when we were in a band, we decided to cover Spy Hunter, and we did not gain you any fans by our cover (laughs) live. (laughs) But yeah, man. So so it was was awesome to get to talk to you and just hear more about about everything. And and we love the podcast. So can you give some information on for everyone that's listening how they can find the podcast, find more about Project Six and you. Definitely. The podcast, first and foremost, uh, the title of his Pioneers Podcast, Finding Your Creative Voice. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And I also have a Patreon page. And the unique thing about this podcast is each episode is broken into three parts. The first part is the basic format. It's available for everyone and Mm -hmm. it contains high quality content. It's not just a hook to get you into the bonus content because I realize that a lot of people will just listen to the free version and that's it. Mm-hmm. But for those people who are a little bit more invested in the content or are supportive of what I'm trying to do in engaging this larger conversation about faith and art and the importance of creativity and culture, I have two extra or uh, two additional segments to each episode that are available up to an hour's worth of bonus content. And I try to give 
increasing value to each level of content. So if you subscribe to the podcast by going to our Patreon page and it's Pioneers Podcast, Finding Your Creative Voice on Patreon, or you can just visit us uh, on any social media platform, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter, Instagram, we're all over all of those. You can find more information on that. But if you subscribe on Patreon, I give a phone call to every person that subscribes to talk a little bit more about what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do, and to also hear personally what that individual, that subscriber is doing creatively in their lives to engage Mm -hmm. culture. And so it's a unique format and you get bonus content depending upon your level of subscription. I have five tiers of subscription available on the Patreon page. That's awesome. And so if nothing else, like or follow uh, Pioneers Podcast, Finding Your Creative Voice on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. And as far as the band goes, uh, our newest album, Sheep Among Wolves, is available wherever music can be found. Mm-hmm. We prefer that you buy a piece of vinyl or buy a CD or download it directly from us because bands don't really make any money off of streaming. Yeah. That's one of the many conversations we have <laughs> on my podcast is yeah. the public doesn't really understand how much streaming has destroyed music for artists mm-hmm. uh, from a, an, an ability to <laughs> provide for ourselves and our families. Yeah. I wish we had another hour to talk about that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, you can have me on again and we can talk about <laughs> yeah. that at any yeah, yeah. point if you so desire. But Mm-hmm. Uh, like us, follow us on social media as well. Visit us at project86.com and you can listen to the music or buy a piece of vinyl mm-hmm. or a CD or awesome. uh, a piece of digital music from our digital store. Mm-hmm. But uh, thanks for having me on, yeah. guys. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I know. It was awesome. We really appreciate it. And uh, we definitely highly recommend Pioneer's podcast. We really enjoy it. So everyone subscribe, listen, go to the Patreon for sure. So Andrew, thank you so much, buddy. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.